Hello and welcome to episode 95 of Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode with Ricky from Koala Core Clothing. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Now today on the show, we got Spencer from the band Ice Nine Kills. And for those of you who don't know Spencer or his band, Ice Nine Kills is a metalcore band from the Boston area. They've been at it for a respectable amount of years, to be honest. I actually had no idea that they had as much content out as they do. They have several albums, EPs, videos. They've done a ton of touring. I actually sat down with Spencer at this year's Warp Tour when they played Pittsburgh last month. And he's a really awesome guy. This band's really good. Got to see their set before the interview. And I have a feeling that most of you that are listening to this probably already know about this band. But hopefully we'll get into some things that you don't know about. Including just like some history behind the band. History behind Spencer as a musician in general. Stuff that he's into outside of the music business. We talk music business outside of Ice Nine Kills. And just, it's a really good, well-rounded conversation with a really nice fucking dude. So, I think you're gonna like it. Now, before we get into this conversation, I do need to do a little bit of self-promoting for those of you out there who might be new to the show, or new to me in general. You could find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at The Real Sykes. The podcast has its own little Facebook page as well which you could find if you just go to your little search bar on Facebook, type in Start the Beat. The podcast is also on iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts. So just go to those respective search bars, type in Start the Beat, subscribe to the show if you want, rate and review if you want. That stuff really helps. Can't stress it enough. And last but certainly not least, Start the Beat is part of the Epicast family, which you can learn all about and you should learn all about at epicastnetwork.com. That's always so much information, I know, but please bear with me because I got one more thing I want to tell you people, primarily those of you in the Pittsburgh PA area. This week, I'm going to be DJing Emo Night at Spirit in Lawrenceville, so if you are of a legal drinking age and wish to come hang out, have some drinks and listen to me play you a bunch of Fallout Boy and Coheed and Cambria and My Chemical Romance and Brand New, etc., come on down and please hang out. It's going to be a blast. That's all I have to say about that. I'm done talking about myself, so let's get on with it. Let's get into my conversation with Spencer from the band Ice Nine Kills. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat!
So we are sitting at Warp Tour right now, and you are in the band Ice Nine Kills, and your name is Spencer, and you are the singer, vocalist. That is correct. And you just played two hours ago, and it's funny to say that because it's like 1.30 in the afternoon. That's Warp Tour for you. Do you guys always play different times every day? Yeah, a Warp Tour, the tradition is that you wake up in the morning, the bands wake up, and you could be playing at 11.30 a.m., or you could be closing out the show at 8 o'clock at night, so it's... Uh, it's always sort of a crapshoot as to when you're going to play. Is that like a they just pull names out of a hat type of thing or somebody like curate this specifically? I think there's probably a program that they have, some sort of algorithm. Um, and every morning they put the software on and <laughs> they uh, put it through a little bit of a computer device. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. Yeah. They probably put it, pull it out of a hat. But I think there there is some logic to it. They probably don't want the same bands opening every day or closing every day. And I think that they make a point to, you know, if a band is playing in their home area, to give them a good midday time slot. I mean, I think it was awesome. It was 1130 and you guys had a ton of kids out there, like screaming along into it, ready to go. It was early cool, yeah. in the morning. Yeah. Someone texted me and they were like, wow, your crowd was insane. Are you you guys from here? And I was like, no, not. I guess yeah. Pittsburgh area kids like us. I saw somebody in the front row that had like a flag. There was a yeah. couple people with flags. Is that a thing that your fan base does? Yeah, they make these nine nation flags. We've been seeing a lot of them at every show. Is that something that the like started through the band or like a fan thing kind of? No, took we that over? Um, we sort of encouraged it. We wanted to see how creative our fans could get, and we've seen some mind blowing flags. Just so much attention to detail. There was one I saw the other day which combined every album art we've ever had into one like mural and it was really really cool that's awesome so I'm, I'm we're always very impressed by the creativity and dedication of our fans yeah i really respect the engagement that it seems you guys have with the fan base and a lot of bands really don't do that or encourage their fans to do things like that so was that something that you guys decided to do just being fans of music for me personally i've always been sort of a fanatical follower of whatever i'm into whether it's yeah bands or or horror movies and for me whatever we put out it's usually just the kind of stuff that i would want to see when i was younger from the bands that i liked so that's where everything usually stems from mm -hmm. what did i like when i was that age what did i want to see from my favorite bands it seems like there's a lot of kind of horror and darker elements in the music i'm sure that's an awesome release for you like you said being a fan of horror is there anything outside of music that you also do you seem like a guy that probably does a lot of stuff most of my uh, time is spent on focusing on the band but i also have a company called cleaver clothing and it's a horror movie based clothing company okay. lifestyle company and that's just like my other creative outlet for you know t-shirt designs that wouldn't necessarily work for the band or when halloween time rolls around i do like a halloween mix and I, you know, hand sign a bunch of posters and horror memorabilia and stuff like that. You do the design work as well? I come up with the designs. I'm, I'm not the best illustrator, but, you know, I come up with the concepts. So do you, like, just collaborate with other different artists or do yeah. you have, like, a set group of people that you typically work with? I have a set group of, like, four or five artists that I usually work with. They do stuff for the band, too. Mm -hmm. You know, I just like working with people that when I know that their work is going to be top-notch so this whole being in bands touring all that stuff when did uh the spark kind of ignite 
Well, I got into rock and roll and playing guitar very, very young. Like, we're talking like eight years old. Okay. I was always a little bit ahead of my time. I had an older sister that had a lot of, you know, friends that listened to music. And this was in the grunge era, you know, in like the, the early to yeah. mid-90s. So, you know, I saw that Smells Like Teen Spirit video from Nirvana um, when I was probably like seven. I think it came out in 92. Never it was 91, 92, yeah. yeah. Six or seven. And I was like, I want to bleach my hair, I want to wear flannels, I want to play guitar, I want to be Kurt Cobain. So Nirvana really inspired me to become a musician and started listening to tons of other bands from that era like Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and like Tool and stuff. Yeah, that was, yeah. Formed a cover band. And so every year there would be like this talent show at my middle school you know, we'd be like 10 or 11 years old, and the other bands were playing like some Mozart stuff, which is cool. But we were playing Nirvana and Silverchair and um, Alice in Chains, and that kind of set the spark for me. Yeah, were you like a, the front guy and then too? Then I was just guitar. Okay. Guitar was my main, um, was my focal point. And once I started doing like more serious cover bands where we would, you know, play out a lot and do birthday parties and stuff I started just to sing out of necessity you know we were big fans of Blink 182 and Goldfinger and um, a lot of that stuff has harmony so that's how I started singing just yeah. out of necessity so it seems like you come from a background that's a lot less heavy than the music that you put out now exactly I'm assuming you're probably listening to all kinds of music right so with Ice Nine Kills and the direction of music that that takes why did uh you decide to do something in that style of music because it like caters more to the horror elements that you wanted to write about maybe well I, I i did like heavy music earlier on too i was always a big metallica fan okay i remember going to see them on the uh, load album cycle at the um it was the fleet center at that point in in boston where the, like the bruins and the celtics play so i always had that heavy music bug in me you know, I definitely was into the new metal bands. I went to the first Family Values tour. <laughs> nice. Um, and With think, uh, Rammstein? Yep. It was Rammstein. Orgy, I think. Orgy, Limp Biscuit. Yeah, you know your stuff. Yeah. Ice Cube was there. Yeah, he was, yeah. So I, I always liked some, you know, heavier kinds of music. I remember I was at a, um, summer camp, and uh, this older kid gave me uh, Cannibal Corpse's Vile CD. He was like, you know that band in Ace Ventura? I was yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, this is that band. So I always, you know, it wasn't uh, my favorite when I was young, but I, I still liked heavy music. Yeah, I remember the first time I heard, well, I didn't even hear it, but my 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 parents had me when they were super young. And uh, my dad was like 17 and he was a total thrash metal head. Like I like, grew up like listening to like Megadeth and Anthrax and all that shit. And I remember my dad had a Cannibal Corpse tape, the Tomb of the Mutilated tape, tape oh, shit. the tape. And I remember looking at it and just being frightened. Their album art was always yeah. vicious. And uh, it was funny just thinking about how old some of that music is now. I play in a band and uh, we just got back from a run. We were in uh, St. St. Joe, Michigan, like two weeks ago. And this guy comes up to me because I'm the vocalist for the band. And he's all talking about how like screaming music's a fad and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and I was right. like, dude, the first Cannibal Corpse album's 25 years yeah. old. It's not going anywhere. It's, it's, it's here. It's just happening. Like, chill. Get over it. But he was just like this old dude that was talking to me about how he used to do light and sound for shows. One of those fucking guys. Yeah. I'm sure you've run into oh, him. Oh, yeah. 
a lot. <laughs> so what's it like playing outside every day versus playing inside? I have very limited experience playing outside shows. I feel like it'd be so hard for me to get into that zone that you were able to get into earlier of being like getting the crowd into it, even though it's 1130 in the morning, the sun's shining and it's all. I feel like I need to be in like the right environment to get zoned out. You know, Absolutely, does that, that make yeah. sense? From what I actually hear on stage for outdoor concerts versus indoor concerts, it's very much the same because we all use in-ear monitors. Oh, nice. So that helps a little bit, but really you're fighting the element of the heat. And that's the most difficult thing opposed to, you know, an air-conditioned venue. Although a lot of venues we play yeah. on certain tours are very hot anyway. I will give you credit because you went out on stage in like a jacket and your yeah. boots on, like a whole like, it's like, fuck, he's going for it. You know, <laughs> I feel like, you know, it'd be very easy to just be like, ah, like maybe I won't, maybe just wear a tank top. Some and mesh something. shorts. Yeah, just like be fine with it. But I feel like, you know, you guys have an image and you take it seriously and you present it. And I think that also helps people who are coming to see you who are fans of you who have seen you before and kind of want to see that whole package. I think so too. You know, we're, we're trying to give kids, um, you know, a, a complete show, you know, not just the music, but we have an aesthetic and, and we, we respect that and we respect that the fans like that. And that's why we really concentrated on making our stage setup interesting. We got this guy, Mike Cortada, who designs pretty much all of a data members and pierce the veils okay. stuff, like everything that they do. And he was just incredible at sort of realizing our vision of making this three-dimensional Grim Reaper opening his book. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. our whole album is based on literature, so we wanted to, to tie that in with the, with the whole warped uh, stage setup. So what's it like kind of like coming from the ground up, getting to this point where you can have like stage props and like these awesome merch tents and all this stuff? Because, I mean, like I'm sure you guys like were – playing banquet halls and shit and like did that whole grind oh too. absolutely man we started literally in the parking lot of warp tour selling cds in 2008 we followed the entire tour that year not playing snuck in every oh, really? show wow and sold cds with our ipods you know the iphone wasn't so prevalent so everyone had an ipod a splitter and two headphones and we would walk around all day and my quota was 100 cds a day i wouldn't stop till i hit that so we ended up selling 10,000 albums that summer, which is probably more than any of the bands playing, at least at, at yeah. the show, because, you know, they're not walking around. And it was a difficult summer, you know, frustrating because you're seeing all these bands playing and we're like, oh, I think we're as good as these guys. Like, why are we in the parking lot? But, you know, to this day, I still hear kids coming up to me being like, I got your CD in 2008 at, you know, in the parking lot and you guys are one of my favorite bands. So that's always... Um, really nice to hear because it, it shows me that all the work we put in was 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 worth it i think that goes back to what i said before about the connection that it seems that you're willing to make with the fans versus being this like elitist thing behind the curtain you know we're on stage that's it you can't interact with us i think it's just like hey we're real people doing something and i think that means a lot especially like nowadays with everybody so glued to phones and stuff right. like that if you actually have a conversation with somebody it's like whoa this is i'm not used to this a lot of people just it throws them off yeah i i see that a lot of kids are like sort of taken back by how um you know accessible we we try to be you know it definitely it shows like warp tour you know we, we do a meet and greet every day 
I do uh, another signing later on the day so I can do pictures with the kids. Yeah. I teach um, uh, a workshop on the music industry every day. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it warped towards that one tour of the year where it's an all-day affair and you get to really connect with the fans other than just maybe them waiting outside of the, at the end of a show at a club tour mm-hmm. late at night. Yeah, because I'll meet people after shows and I always like, I'll be like, so like, hey, like, what's your name? Nice to meet you. And it always throws people off. It's just like something right. as simple as just like, I just want to be like, you know, thanks, John. Yeah. Just keep it personal and simple. It's not that hard. Absolutely. But a lot of people don't do it. So you mentioned that you teach some music business stuff on the, I know they do the, the whatever it's it is think here. It's T-E-I. Yeah. So I'm assuming for you telling me that you know you were hustling cds in 2008 mm-hmm. and now you're here this is how many years have you been on warp tour now um let's see I mean, we played one date in 2006 like on the ernie ball stage okay 2009 we did a week 2010 we did 10 days 2013 we did two weeks 2014 was the first time we did the entire tour and and 2016 is the second time we've done it so we've played i guess about six years of, okay you know, and with touring and stuff in between all that yeah. too so how connected are you personally to the business of the band i'm very connected um with almost every aspect of the band the only thing i'm not really super involved in is the gear okay um, jd our um other screamer and lead guitarist is like a genius when it comes to all that sound stuff so he kind of takes the charge with that you know, I'm very involved in the songwriting, obviously, the merchandise in the image of the band. I'm always the one communicating with our manager. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. I'm so, the, you know, that's the thing. If there's people that are in bands and there's people that have bands. Right. You know, and it seems like, you know, this is your baby. Yeah, essentially, it is. It's know? actually the only original band I've ever been in in my entire life. Oh, I really? Started the okay. ba- I mean, I started the band as a pop punk ska band in 2001 when i was a freshman in high school uh-huh and um you know when i started that was my stuff that was goldfinger and real big fish were you doing guitar Jake. at that time as yeah. well too do you and still play guitar of course yeah okay love it and i still love all those bands today i'm always watching real big fish and less than jake and newfound glory and some 41 like every day of this tour and i think that w- what's cool about you know, me being involved with those bands back, you know, in the early 2000s is that that influence is still very much there and, you know, melodically. Yeah. I learned, you know, my sense of melody from those, you know, those punk bands of the the 90s. Mm -hmm. That stuff was awesome. Like, I hate calling it mall punk, but you know what I mean? Just like all of that mid-90s epitaph records, fat records stuff. That's like the shit that I think about it and immediately want to jump on a skateboard. Of course, And yeah. just, like, go have fun. It brings you right back there, man. Outside of Warp Tour, when you're doing just other tours, have you felt any sort of a change in the past six years, we could say, with people coming to shows, people getting into it and stuff like that? Because I was just, like, genuinely surprised to see so many people really getting so pumped about anybody at 11 30 in the morning yeah it's just like a lot of the other shows that i see it's like kids are kind of afraid to mosh around now there's all these like weird politics with shows and a lot of good reasons too but like a lot of things that are a little bit extreme so no they were going hard today I, i think honestly probably about a year and a half ago we noticed this switch from 
twenty percent of the shows being good till ninety percent of the shows being good. You know, wow, okay. It, it was you know I would say in the two thousand twelve two thousand thirteen era, we would do a tour and we'd have some really great reactions some nights and draw a bunch of kids and be really stoked and then other nights it would be kind of weak, and then slowly those kind of weaker shows are are becoming the minority. So that's awesome to see. I, I think that the last album we did really um, really helped the band sort of catapult to that next level. We're finally aligned with one of the marquee labels in the scene, Fearless. And I think we've started to find our groove as far as what, you know, what sets us apart from the rest of the bands in the genre. And I think that you know, I, like I teach in my workshops, I think that's that's what you have to find if you're in a band. You have to find that element that sets you apart from the pack. And, and the way that I kind of look at it as the analogy of, you know, when you go to a, a movie theater and you're sitting in the audience watching the coming attractions, watching the previews. For me, you know, 99.9% of the coming attractions I see, it's always like, I've seen this before. You know, it's either like a romantic comedy or some bullshit Melissa McCarthy movie or uh-huh. like a generic horror movie with a family that moves into a old house and hears creaking in the attic. Jump cuts. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but every once in a while, maybe it's every once a year, every couple of years, there's that one trailer that I see and it's like, I need to see that movie. I'm not waiting for Netflix. I'm not waiting for On Demand. And that's the band you have to be. You have to be the band that people are like, I want to know more. This is interesting. Yeah, you have to have a lot that draws them in fast because right. attention spans are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. That's right. If you don't have something that's going to draw somebody's attention in literally a second, like now at this point, cause people just scroll through their phone. Just yep, everything is that, so accessible, and everybody's like putting their stuff out into the world. Ten years ago, if there wasn't people that were constantly posting pictures of their food or right telling you about the bad day they had at work and stuff like that there's a lot of noise to to fight Mm -hmm. through now you need to find that thing that sets you apart but at the same time it seems to me like it's not something that you can look for it just kind of has to be there yeah and then like you like oh this is our thing is kind of to go with it right there's no exact formula for it because if there was everyone would be successful in different yeah. It's just a lot about trial and error and seeing what works, you know? Do you subscribe to the it's who you know type of mindset too? I think that any entertainment business, politics plays a, a huge part of it. And we spent 99.9% of our career on the other side of the fence, not having help from anyone in the business, not having the right booking agent or the right manager or the right label. And we fought really, really hard and we're just sort of getting to that other side of the fence and it really is important. You know, we were never a band that ever got lucky. Anything we've ever accomplished has just been busting our asses and hustling, but we had to bust our ass and get that one guy, you know, to be our foot in the door and that was really our manager, Mike Mowry at Outer Loop. He really kind of brought us to that other side and helped legitimize the band. Has he been working with you for a while now? Yeah, I think we started working with him in 2000, late 2011. For a lot of bands, it takes that one guy to sort of allow this band to sit at the cool kids table and say, hey, this band is actually good, you know, give them a chance. Yeah, uh, it's, it's hard. I think that in the way the market is today, musicians need to be as involved in the business as they possibly can. But it's like hard for a lot of musicians because, you know, they spent 
a decade longer, like mastering their craft of their art. And now it's like, oh, now I need to be good at business. I didn't pay attention to any of this shit in right, school. Exactly. Like, how do I, I got to figure this stuff out? And it's like kind of a crash course trying to catch up on a decade's worth of that knowledge in like a year or two to get yeah. your band off the ground. It's so important. I mean, you know, you could be the best band in the world. You could have the best songs. But if it's not marketed properly and no one hears it, like it, it's, you know, no one's going to find it. Yeah. Do you walk around warp tour a lot when you're on the road do you ever come across any bands still trying to hustle cds i do see it and i always it always brings a smile to my face and sometimes i'll be walking around and the guys will either not notice i'm in a band because they don't see my pass or something or they do and they come over and talk to me and i always make a point to say to them hey man keep doing that because that's exactly what we did and now we're playing so you can do it too yeah did uh that story ever get brought up to any of the warp tour people have you like talked about that before with them and like said like hey like th we did this thing in 2008 you know kevin lyman has been really really great to our band and i think that you know he knows our story and he knows how hard we worked and how we were you know hustling at the tour even though we weren't playing years ago and i think that that's part of the reason why he, he likes us it's finding creative ways to put your stuff out there i don't think the internet is it and I think a lot of bands, they're finally starting to catch that. Like the yeah. internet's cool. It's an awesome free resource, but it's free and you get what you pay for. You right. really got to work for it. And like paying for Facebook sponsored ads aren't going to help you none <laughs> at all. Unless like you're dumping like hundreds of dollars yeah. into it. I don't know if that I'm sure with you guys being like attached to a label and stuff now, that's probably something that they're doing for you guys. Maybe. I don't know. I don't really know how much the ads really help anything. Even in magazines, I don't really know. If you have good product and it's placed on a certain platform, you know, I think one of the most valuable things a label can offer in, in the form of internet promotion is, is there are their YouTube channels. If they have a lot of subscribers and your video is good, there's a good chance it'll take off virally. And we found that to be one of the, the best resources. You know, in the, just in the last two videos we've done we've seen the numbers skyrocket like you know we just had a video come out not even two months ago and it already has over half a million views that's awesome um, and you know fearless you know has i think over a million subscribers so th that can really help but the product has to be good i think the most powerful resource is just people exactly at this point Word of just mouth. Like, yeah anytime i see an awesome video i can't wait to like get to band practice something be like dude did you hear about this band do you see this thing check this out and then like spread it i love spreading music absolutely that, that's the best form of promotion is word of mouth you know and like you said people are excited to show their friends something cool you know mm -hmm. they, because they want to be the guy that showed them so wrapping this up horror movies have you ever had any of your music in a horror film we have not, and it's it's always been a dream of mine. We actually had a song in a Luke Perry straight to DVD movie called Dish Dogs, which was Tight. not which was not a horror movie. <laughs> it had um, a few like pro skaters in it, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I always said if our song gets in, you know, one of the the Halloween or Friday the Thirteenth movies, I can die happy. Yeah, if you could have like your song be in any director's movie like what would your top pick director be wow that's a tough one i would say either wes craven or john carpenter sadly wes craven is 
no longer with us, so that yeah, probably won't happen. Dude, but John Carpenter just played in Pittsburgh last weekend. Right, he's a great musician. And my band, we were out, and I couldn't go. I had a ticket and everything. I had to oh, sell it. Man. I was so bummed. They were, like, sending me pictures of them playing, like, shit from the Big Trouble in Little China score oh, yeah. with, like, it projected on the background. And, like, that's one of my favorite movies. And it's just, like, man, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean... It, it's cool to see him still out there doing it, though. It is really cool, and it's just... Uh, you know, a, a story um, that I heard about John Carpenter, um, he showed an executive a cut of the original Halloween without music, and the, the executive said, this isn't scary, there's nothing scary about it. Then he eventually showed her a cut with his score, and she said, well, what, how did you change this film? I mean, it's completely different, and all that was changed was the music, uh, so just a testament to how powerful music can be uh, sound design makes or breaks a horror movie like Absolutely. for sure i mean most movies in general but a horror movie like hands down good sound design will fucking set it off it's definitely awesome. and um our last two videos which was what was cool about that is that jd and i are one of the other members of the band he's great at creating orchestration um he did it all for our album and when we were doing the music videos, I, I wrote them in a way so there, there's a continuing narrative throughout the two videos. Oh, nice. So we, uh, you know, I got a chance to sort of produce the sound design during those scenes that, you know, aren't, you know, when the music video isn't actually happening. Uh-huh. So that was really cool, kind of fulfilled a little dream of mine of being, you know, involved <laughs> with horror movies and stuff. Nice. So we could probably wrap this up now. We just hit 30 minutes, so. Great. Perfect. Thank you so much for no taking some time to do this. It was Thanks awesome for talk. asking me. Hey. Had a good time. Glad you did. Good to meet you, dude. Yeah, good to meet you, too. And we are done. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Spencer is a really cool dude. Can't thank him enough for taking the time to sit down and talk. And, yeah, it was awesome getting to meet him. And if you are not familiar with ice nine kills please go check them out and if you are a fan of the band i hope you enjoyed this conversation and i hope you stick around for some more because there's going to be plenty more and there's plenty before this one as well 94 other episodes that you could listen to if you wanted i'll be back again next week with another episode same time same place same channel you know the drill my name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2016. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening.